You are listening to The Low How from Bullpink, where we share our know-how about low-income markets. Bullpink works with entrepreneurs and companies to make the best products and services available where they matter the most. We are all about using the power of entrepreneurship to fulfill aspirations and meet the needs of people at the base of the economic pyramid. Come along with us as we seek out the right innovations, right for low-income markets. Hi, this is Sumaya Bushra. I'm working as a project manager at Bob Inc. And I'm Patrick Geyer, Impact Measurement and Insights Lead for Bob Inc. Hey Bushra, great to be chatting with you today. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Patrick. How are you doing? Yeah, really well, thanks. So, really nice to be speaking with you on the Low How. Uh, what are we talking about today? Uh, so, today's topic is about women sales agent in the last mile distribution networks. Okay. Now, that was just the jargon alarm that we heard uh, that goes off when we get into some vocabulary and phrases that not all our listeners might be familiar with. Let's just rewind a bit and unpack uh, what do we mean by last mile distribution networks? And and actually, now that I remember, back in episode two, our colleague Akoji John gave us a really nice definition of last mile. So why don't we let him fill that gap in for us? Okay, let's have a listen. Basically, uh, it's the last leg of uh, the journey of goods needs to travel to reach the consumer who live in places that are hard to reach. Uh, you could imagine that that could be rural places with poor road. Uh, or it could be an urban community uh, that is not well connected with the rest of the city. We say that that's uh, people who live at the end of this last leg of the distribution journey are living at the last mile. And to our listeners, if you haven't heard our episode with Akoji about the business of selling solar home systems in Africa, please check that out on our website. But back to what we're talking about today, Bushra. So that's last mile explained by Akoji. What about last mile distribution networks and women sales agents? Can you explain that a little bit more, please? Uh, yes, sure, Patrick. So basically, Bopink works with companies that want to sell socially impactful products and services to low-income consumers at the last mile in countries like Bangladesh, Nigeria, and Pakistan. Mm -hmm. So often, these last mile communities are small and remote, making them hard to reach for traditional logistics systems and supply chains. So one option for these companies is to engage people already living in these communities to act as sales agents to sell and distribute these goods in the communities where we live. Okay, so you mean like in their own shops? No, actually door-to-door -door or sometimes even through courtyard sessions. So basically gathering women from the community around in a village and showing off the latest products they have to sell. Okay, so could you give us an example of a project or two like this that Bopping is, has been involved in recently? Sure, Patrick. Here are two Bopping projects where we are working with women sales agent. And the first one is Pushti Ambassadors, which is a four-year project funded by Danida and implemented by Bopping, Arla Bangladesh and iSocial. The project focuses on creating jobs for female entrepreneurs in Bangladesh by enabling them to sell nutritious products like milk, thus contributing to women's economic empowerment and improved nutrition in rural Bangladesh. And the second project is in Pakistan uh, with funding from Danida, 
where we have been working together with Unilever, Jazzcash and the Rural Support Programs Network to test a sustainable and scalable last mile distribution model that provides low income women with decent employment and financial inclusion. The name of this program, Gutti Baji, literally means the good sister. And through it, we have worked with women retail agents to sell needed goods as well as access to financial services through just cash to their customers. So Patrick, what we're looking at today is how to make last mile distribution networks work both for women sales agents and the companies that we engage them. So, Busha, it sounds like there's a lot of interest among private sector and also development sector actors in the potential benefits of these last mile distribution networks. Um, that sounds like there's a lot of different projects about that, including quite a few that Bob Inc. has been involved in. But what about for women in rural communities in a place like Bangladesh who might become these sales agents? What kind of interest do they have in these kinds of projects? And what's in it for them? Maybe we can ask one directly. Yeah, can we do that? Sure. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum assalam. Monisha po bolchen? Monisha says that yes, of course, her life has changed. So she likes that she's working for the company. So she has a tag of Unilever, which is prestigious in her society. And then she's also getting financial support from the project um, by generating uh, incentives by doing the demand creation work and also generating profit by selling products. So overall, she has become financially independent and she mentioned that she's also helping her family uh, through her income. So when she was asked about what she likes about being a duti, Monisha said that what she liked most is that people listen to what she says. And she can also mix with a lot of people. And most importantly, she said that um, she's making an impact by supplying the needs of the people to their doorsteps. So she's very proud that she, she is helping the people in her community. So what the sales agent or duti as we call them told us is similar to what we hear from lots of women sales agents in Bangladesh. Okay, well, that's really great to hear from somebody like Monisha directly on that, Busha. Thanks a lot. Now, I'm also curious about the customer perspective. How does this kind of a last mile distribution network work for low income consumers? Well, actually, I spoke to a woman who is a customer of Monisha recently. Really? And what kinds of things did she have to say? Maria is a neighbor of Duti Maksuda and she lives in Bagarhat. Maria purchases a lot of products from Duti, especially soap, shampoo, detergents, hand wash, etc. She mentions that the nearest shop is almost two kilometers away from her house and not easily reachable always. So Maria prefers purchasing products from Duti rather than walking to a shop. She loves the quality of the products that the Duti sells. She says that these products are long lasting and of great quality. Maria is grateful that there's a duty in her area because duty provides her services at the, at her doorstep, which makes Maria's life easier. So really, really interesting to hear what Monisha and Maria had to say. Thanks very much, Bushra, and also for your translations. So it sounds like for customers like Maria, it really comes down to convenience 
access to quality goods and services, and being able to purchase things that they need from people that they know without having to travel to a retail point that might be pretty far away from where they live. And then from the sales agent side, for, for women that we've worked with like Monisha, doing this kind of work is a chance to earn money uh, within communities where there are generally not very many economic opportunities, especially for women. And micro-entrepreneurship, or becoming a sales agent or a demand creation agent, uh, offers a chance not only to earn money for themselves and their family, but also the opportunity to increase their own standing in their households and their communities and and really developing more self-respect. Would you say that's about right, Busha? Yes, that is absolutely right, Patrick. In markets where gender norms can be quite restrictive, like Pakistan, we have also seen how women's agents and their customers can benefit from a last mile distribution network. Through the project we did in Pakistan with Jazzcash and the Unilever, for example, we provided women with the opportunity to sell digital financial services like mobile top-ups, bill payments, and mobile transfers. So, while there are still a lot of challenges to overcome to make these models work well and scale up, we have seen that women sales agents can increase their savings, confidence, autonomy, and respect within their communities. They also primarily serve women customers, which is important for making needed goods and services accessible to women. So, Busha, I'm curious, what do you think are some of the factors that help make women sales agents successful in work like this? And what are some of the common barriers that might get in the way of that success? So Patrick, to get some perspective on this, uh, we have asked these questions to our Bopping colleagues, Trisha Clausen, she's a senior project manager at Bopping, and to Muntasi Sakib Khan, who's the managing director at uh, Bopping Bangladesh. We asked Muntasir about the factors that enable last mile distribution models to work well, and the common challenges that we've seen in our projects that get in the way. So I, I, I basically look into three factors. One is acceptability by the community. That means how these women as neighbors has access to the households. So they are more welcome. They also speak the same dialects. So it's not someone from a capital city or a bigger town who comes and basically preaches about like this product is good or bad. So basically their neighbor also trusts them. So the second point when we think is basically also their social esteem. So it's not only about money. So a lot of women in the rural also have some sort of education or inspiration to work both around to become financially solvent. Trisha further boiled it down to four key ingredients that last mile distribution models should have in order to function well. So we've worked across a lot of different models and, and uh, different markets in last mile distribution. And we found that there's sort of four key ingredients to setting up a viable last mile distribution model. And those include, number one, the right location. So that means that um, it has to be an area where the products and services aren't already uh, distributed. But in those locations, there actually should be sufficient demand for the products already. So there should have been some investment in, in awareness and, and demand before actually going in and setting up these setting up these models. But there has to also be enough purchasing power, enough of a population and the infrastructure to reach these, these locations. The second is having the right profile of agents. So we've seen that successful agents, number one, tend to have sort of family or community support. 
in communities where there are really restrictive um, gender norms and social norms, that poses a huge barrier to these models being able to, to, to successfully work. Um, but, but also other aspects like having entrepreneurial experience, having access to capital is, is obviously very important um, to be able to purchase the products or have enough, say, float capital if you're going to be selling digital financial services. So those are just a few examples. And then you also have to have the right uh, recruitment and onboarding model. And that's where it can be quite expensive, actually, for companies to identify and recruit the right agents. But having sort of these efficient processes with the right partners who can do it, that that ideally is commercially viable, is really, really important. And then lastly, it's having the right route to market model. So how do you actually capture the orders and how do you uh, deliver those orders in a way that actually makes commercial sense or at least is done in sort of efficient, low-cost way as possible? And when you have those four ingredients in place, we found that it can really contribute to a sustainable last-mile distribution model. One thing both Muntasir and Trisha mentioned is that our ambitions for what last-mile distribution models can achieve, especially in the short term, probably needs a rethink. So reaching last-mile is definitely costly. That's why probably the traditional distribution mechanism or the van doesn't uh, end up with those uh, localities or communities, right? But still, it is interesting for the companies to acquire new consumers. That's why they want to reach it. So it will not become straightway mathematically positive on the PNL on the very fast year, probably. In our work, you know, we often couple the words sustainable and scalable together. And I think that we're still at the sustainable part of it. Um, and we're not yet at sort of the commercially viable, scalable part of setting up last mile distribution models. So I think it's just very good to be very um, clear about what it is that you actually can realistically, you know, realistically expect. And at least in my experience, there are very few sort of commercially scalable last mile distribution models out there. That being said, this was sort of something that nonprofits, you know, it was like sort of a fully subsidized kind of um, intervention. Um, and, and you know, I think if we can move from it being fully subsidized to actually, you know, somewhere in the middle where commercial companies are able to, you know, continue to actually provide access to these products and to deliver the products, um, you know, that's that's success. Like, can you do that with 3000 agents on a, you know, on a long term basis? That's really great. Um, and then, you know, where I see hopefully that we'll be moving in the future is, you know, by bringing in more more partners. So a lot of companies now are sort of doing it alone. Um, but by bringing in more partners and enabling these agents to actually you know, sort of one-stop shop access products from multiple suppliers, and these partners can sort of share the same infrastructure, then you can start to sort of reduce the costs. And from there, you can start to think about, okay, how do we actually really make this sort of commercially scalable? So, Bushra, it sounds like the story that's emerging is that women can really benefit from working as sales agents, economically and otherwise, but there's also a lot that can get in the way of that, as Muntasir and Trisha highlighted. Yes, that's true, Patrick. And if we consider the perspective of the companies that are behind these projects, there are also quite a few challenges for them too. 
also for organizations like us at Popping uh, that that supports this work, the challenges are there. And what are some of those challenges, Pusha? So, well, making these projects work takes a lot of coordination between the companies, the suppliers, the distributors, and of course, the women's agents themselves. Uh, and mm, there's also the big question of how profitable this is for the companies. And and what kinds of challenges are there to profitability from the company's perspective? Well, these networks are active in markets that are just tough to operate in. These are mostly rural areas without large populations, many of whom are low income and restrictive gender norms are common. It's a tough environment for generating significant sales, even though there is strong demand for quality consumer goods and food products. And then another piece of the puzzle is credit. So the sales agents are micro-entrepreneurs, not employees. So they need to buy the goods they are going to sell and then sell them at a markup to make a profit. But since most sales agents are low income themselves, companies offer some form of credit to help them purchase stock. But when goods don't get sold and debts go unpaid, that creates further challenges for the entire model. So, Busha, I think there's a lot of different pieces to this puzzle. Uh, let's recap where we're at. So, on the one hand, these last mile distribution networks can be a good way to help get needed goods and services to people uh, who really need them in hard to reach places. This stands to benefit consumers who want to buy these goods and services, and it also stands to benefit the companies that want to sell them and develop a market share in places where they know there's a lot of demand and will be even more demand in future. It also stands to benefit sales agents, these women sales agents we've been talking about and talking to, by providing income generating opportunities that are otherwise pretty absent in the places where they live. And through this work, they stand to gain not only some income, but also maybe some more respect, independence, and also new skills. But on the other hand, there are a lot of challenges to these models. Uh, would you agree that's a, a reasonable recap of what we're hearing so far? Yes, Patrick, that is true. Um, I'd also like to mention some of the things we're learning about what makes these models work. I think from what our guests from this episode have told us, uh, there are a few key ingredients of any successful last mile distribution network. To start with, uh, one is picking the locations well. So by definition, last mile distribution networks are going to be tough places to do business, but we still want to look for areas where there is strong potential demand for goods and services, where there is enough of a population that can afford these things and where there is enough infrastructure to bring goods and services to consumers. So it's also important to reach out to the stakeholders like local political and community leaders to secure their buy-in before starting a project like this in those locations. Okay. All right. That makes sense. Yeah. Is there there's some more things? Yeah, too? of course. So uh, the second thing that I wanted to highlight is finding sales agents with the right profile is also a key. So ideally, we look for agents with some entrepreneurial experience and at least some level of literacy and numeracy. 
uh, it helps a lot if potential agents already have access to technology like a phone and have some capital to get started as retailers. But Pusha, what about when it's hard to find people who can check all those boxes? Is training and helping sales agents access things like technology and capital also an essential ingredient of a product like this? Yes. Once we have found good sales agents, you have to onboard and train them well. So training is very essential and basic training on making sales, dealing with the customers, financial management and using mobile technology to manage orders can actually help these women become better sales agents and is useful for them in many other ways. Okay. And how exactly do sales agents make and receive orders in a last mile distribution model? So then we get to the last essential ingredient, which is an effective route to market model. Route to market is literally how goods and services get from the producers or from the providers to the customers. Okay. All right. Thanks for that, Busha. So these four ingredients give us some serious food for thought. And I'm also wondering if these are the essential ingredients of, a, of the last mile distribution model, mm -hmm. what are the things that really set successful models apart? So if those are the basics, what are the, the factors that really uh, help these kinds of models excel? Well, from my own experience and after listening to our guest today, I think there are at least three. Number one is technology. Second is partnerships. And the third one is, of course, social norms. Okay, so three things. So what about technology? What does that bring? So apps can help sales agents make orders and provide services directly to customers um, to reduce distribution cost. And it can uh, be a driver to consumer engagement and digital inclusion for the sales agents and their customers alike. But digital solutions are not always easy to implement. Connectivity and device ownership tend to be low in some rural areas and investment in app and smartphones for last mile distribution models are expensive. Okay. All right. So I take there's a challenge there along with the opportunity. And then you also mentioned social norms. Can you say a little bit about that, Bushra? Yes. So this was the last one, but uh, social norms in some of these communities make it difficult for women to get started and to thrive as micro-entrepreneurs. In some cases, men and even other women in the communities don't feel that it's right for women to work outside of the home, to do business in public, or to go door-to-door -door for selling. So that's why we make a point in many of our projects of engaging men, you know, the male family members of female sales agents and men in the community. And then we share the importance of what these women's sales agents are doing and how it is going to benefit the whole community. You are listening to the low how from Boping. So, Bushra, I think we've covered a lot in this episode already. Uh, in addition to the, the challenges and opportunities we've just touched on, I feel like maybe there are a few other lessons emerging here as well. Like what, Patrick? Well, one seems to be that maybe we need to adjust our expectations of what a last mile distribution model can actually deliver, especially in terms of profitability and scalability. So from the projects that we've talked about today and from Bopping's experiences with many other similar projects across Africa and Asia, it seems that there are relatively few examples of last mile distribution models that became profitable 
in the short term, and we're also able to scale up in a big way, at least, you know, not only just a couple of years. So it seems like, yeah, maybe we, we just need to learn to be more patient uh, with, with how these things work. Yes, and that makes sense thinking about the challenges we just discussed. Things like demand generation for goods and services, building an effective route to market pathway, and bringing in the right technology and right partnership to help these models thrive can all take quite a lot of work and quite a lot of time. Right, right. And so that makes me wonder if we should maybe consider a different definition of success or perhaps more modest goals for last mile distribution networks. Um, that could be, but I think it's also important to keep experimenting with different approaches to see what works in markets like rural Bangladesh or Pakistan. Absolutely. And I think we've heard some really interesting examples today from our guests of some of the things that we're testing out in these projects. And also, of course, what we're learning from what seems to be working well and what well, maybe a little less well. Yes. And what these models can mean for sales agents like Monisha and low income consumers like Maria. Yeah, Busha, this has been a really fascinating exploration into last mile distribution networks. Thank you so much for, for joining us to talk about this today. Thank you, Patrick. We'd also like to thank Monisha and Maria, who spoke to us on the phone, as well as Muntasir Sakib Khan, Trisha Clausen, Akoji Jan, Rakib Hassan Rabi, and Johan von der Schaaf. Learn more about these projects by checking out the episode notes. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope to talk to you again on The Low How. Thanks for joining us for this episode of The Low How. If you like what you heard, leave us a comment and give us a review wherever you get your podcast. The Low How is brought to you by Bopping. Learn more about us by visiting bopping.org. And be sure to check out extra info and links about what you heard today in the episode notes. Thanks for listening.